This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Um, the end of the passage that, uh, that Tom read includes these words, For it is appointed unto man to die once. And after that, face the judgment. Jonathan Edwards, uh, the, the great preacher of the First Great Awakening, uh, whenever he was a young man, wrote um, a set of resolutions. In fact, there were 70 of these resolutions. And he would read through these resolutions every single week, uh, my understanding was, in order to um, remind himself of what he has resolved to do, how he has spe- resolved to, to spend his life. And one of these resolutions was, I resolve to think often on my death. When we think about the fact that we will one day die, and after that face the judgment, it affects how we live our lives. Uh, We don't live the same way if we keep in mind the fact that one day we're going to die. Um, The preacher in Ecclesiastes uh, contemplates this today. As we look at chapter 9, he talks about the the certainty of the fact that death comes to everyone. And he also talks about the the, um, unpredictability of when that it will happen. Uh, And then he also talks about how should we live in light of the fact that our death is certain and it is unpredictable when it will happen. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one, so is the sinner. And he who swears as is he is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. So eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. 
Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with a wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because this is your portion in life. And in all your, in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For a man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. We pray that uh, we would consider the certainty and the unpredictable nature of our deaths, and that would cause us to live in a way that pleases you. Father, I pray that you would give me grace as I preach your word, give me strength, in Jesus' name, amen. Again, this passage, uh, I think I've, I've, I've shared one of the other passages that uh, uh, I've, I've shared with you guys was kind of structured like a sandwich, right? We had one part and another part and then one in the middle. Here we've got uh, a very similar arrangement where the beginning, uh, the first six verses focus in on the, the certain inevitability that we will all die. And then the last two verses, 11 and 12, I think focus in on the unpredictability of those things. And then where we're going, uh, the, the goal that we're going at is there in between there where it talks about re, uh, to enjoy life. Um, what are we supposed to do because of the unpredictability of when we will die? Or what are we supposed to do because of the certainty of death? The preacher here is telling us, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. So let's look first at the certainty of death. But I laid all this to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. He's reflecting on how everything is in God's hands. The righteous who lives a a, a somewhat righteous life. You know, uh, none of us are completely righteous. Even the preachers made this point that that man is is sinful. And he makes it in this passage later whenever he says that the, the heart of a man is full of evil. But in spite of that, there's... Uh, he, he talks about the righteous and the wise man, those who, who use wisdom in living this life. Both of those are in the hand of God. God is in control uh, and, and he, um, he holds them in his hand and he, he holds their life. And he's the one who determines the moment 
they will die. Then he says, whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. He before was talking about the righteous and the wise, but now he's saying the righteous and the wicked both have the same event happen to them. Now what is this event? It's death. Both the righteous and the wicked. And he's talked about this in the previous chapter. We didn't look at that together. But in in chapter 8, the preacher wrestles with the fact that you might see a, a, a man who lives a righteous life who dies young. And you might see someone who is a wicked person, but who prospers in their life and lives a long life. And the preacher throws up his hands and and he he says, this is a, 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 a grievous evil that this would happen. Here he reflects on that more and says, both the righteous and the wicked have the same event happen to them, both to the good and to the evil. Of course, there are no good people. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know kind of why this is the case. But people who we would look at their lives and think, well, that that seems like a good person to me. And, And then the evil, the same event happens to them all. The clean and the unclean. We don't really think in those terms today about clean and unclean. Clean and unclean animals uh, Leviticus tells God's people um, that they, were, they had certain animals that were clean and which they could eat and certain ones that were unclean that they were to avoid. And as we look at the, the scope of the Bible, you have, uh, it comes to the New Testament and, and the Jewish people kind of looked at people in those terms. Those Gentiles were the ones who ate pork and the ones who ate those unclean animals. And they, they saw the Gentiles as being unclean. Peter didn't didn't even want to eat with these Gentiles until God told him, you know, what I have cleansed, don't call unclean any longer. Both the clean and the unclean, the one who's careful about what they eat, about what they touch and those things, and the one who isn't careful about those things, they both go to the same place. the, The same event happens to them both. To the one who sacrifices and him who doesn't sacrifice. The one who's religious, who is is concerned about worshiping God. And the one who doesn't sacrifice. The same event happens to them both. The one who is good, so is the sinner. The one who uh, swears as he who shuns an oath. We see Ruth today in our Sunday school lesson. She, she, although it doesn't spell out that this was an oath, you, you see the words that she used, let this be done to me and more, and I cease from following after you. He, she, she kind of swears an oath. And in Ecclesiastes, the preacher says um, not to swear an oath, doesn't he? I believe uh, it's, he, he says it, it's in chapter 5, the last time I preached here. Um, he says that it's better not to swear an oath at all than to swear and then not fulfill it. 
So, and, and along with the way, the way Jesus says, not to, not to swear, but let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Here, the preacher is saying, regardless, either way you go here, whether you're one who swears or one who, who shuns an oath, the same event happens. The preacher says this is an evil in all that is done under the sun. The same event happens to all. We all die. It's inevitable. We will all die. And as, as uh, Hebrews 9.27 says, after that, face the judgment. The preacher follows this up. And he says, also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. And madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Why is it that both the righteous and the wicked, the the one who sacrifices and the one who doesn't sacrifice, the one who is clean and unclean, why is it that regardless of how you live your life, you're going to die? It's because all of us, our hearts are full of evil. Our hearts are full of evil. It kind of reminds me of of Genesis chapter 6 whenever the flood was getting ready to come. And uh, as as God looked down upon the children of men, He says the the hearts were, um, the thoughts of man were only evil all the time before God sent the flood. As we also read in the New Testament, We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The preacher recognizes that we are all sinners. None is righteous. None has done good. So we all die. Verse 4, But he who is joined with the living still has hope. He says, A living dog is better than a dead lion. We think about these two animals. Um, A dog and a lion. And we think, which which one would we rather be? (laughs) A dog or a lion? A dog, um, uh, of course the Jewish people, they looked down on dogs. They were kind of a dirty animal. Um, just kind of yapping around, or a lion, this king of the jungle, that's what we think of as a lion. The, the, the apex predator who's ready, who, who, who no, nobody can take on a lion. Which one would be better? Which one would you want to be? A lion, right? A lion. But here, the preacher says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. You'd rather be alive than to be the king of the jungle, and dead. And he gives us the reason, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. It's too late for the dead. The living still have hope. The living still are, they know that they will die. This this certainty is coming and they're able to do something. They can't do anything to change the fact that they're going to die, but they can live in the light of that reality. 
So the preacher uh, um, throughout his book says we're to live with the fear of God. We're to live knowing that God is in heaven and we are on earth and, and that we are accountable to him and that we will one day stand before him in judgment. Verse 6, for their love and their hate and their envy is already perished and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. For the dead, it's too late. What should we see from this? We need to, you could probably uh, 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 come up with it just from looking at these verses without looking at what comes next. But we need to take advantage of it while there's still time. We have our lives and we should take advantage of it knowing that the, the death is certainly coming. I'm going to skip beyond verses 7 through 10 and come to verse 11. And again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. The race is not to the swift. You would think if you're going to have a race, who's going to win? It's the person who's the fastest, right? I read of, a, of, of an Olympian, a, a female Olympian, who they, they, she was expected to win her race. She was known, she was the fastest one, and yet she tripped at the last minute and ended up coming in seventh. Okay? The race is not to the swift. The race is not necessarily to the fastest. Something can happen. Something unpredictable can happen. And the race is not to the swift. Nor the battle to the strong. I think here of Gideon. The story of Gideon and Judges. God had risen him up as a leader of the army of God. And he went against the enemy. As he was preparing to go against the enemy, he had plenty of soldiers. And God said, it's too many. Too many. Anybody that's scared, they can go home. Gideon then is told it's still too many. Still too many after they've all gone home. So God tells them to have everybody drink, and the people who drink a certain way, they're sent home. He's left with 300 people against thousands. And God gives the battle to Gideon. The battle is not to the strong. Nor bread to the wise. Nor riches to the intelligent. Nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. This it, it kind of rubs against us in a little bit of in a little way. We like to think here, especially in America. That we can be self-made people. That we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And that we can work hard and have determination and be able to do whatever we want to with our lives. But the preacher warns us, the race is not to the swift. Nor the battle to the strong. Sometimes, not just sometimes, 
The preacher tells us time and chance happen to them all. Think of Bill Gates. He's one of the richest people in all of the world. But he did so because he lived at just the right time. If he had been born 10 years later, somebody else would have came up with the PC the way he did. Probably. Or Steve Jobs. Both of those cases, so much happened to the fact that they were born at the time that they lived. They had the experiences that they had. They weren't just self-made people. Time and chance happened to us all. It ought to caution us from being too proud to, to think, look at what I've done. Because God's given us so much grace that we could be able to get there. And then verse 12, For a man does not know his time, like a fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so are the children of men that are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. We don't know our time. We don't know when God will require our lives. It can happen at any moment. Like that fish. You know, we, we, uh, it, it speaks of it in terms of a net, right? And then that day they would fish with a net. They'd throw it out and they'd pull in. And that fish didn't know what hit them. And uh, maybe we can think more in terms of when we cast out that reel, Right? And that fish sees that little worm on the end of that wiggling around and thinks, oh, that's a good meal. And he grabs it. And the next thing you know, he's, he's flopping up on, on the bank. Gasping for air. For water. We don't know our time. Our time comes like that. Just going along our life thinking everything is just fine and at, the, at, at, at any moment God can just catch us like a fish in a net or a bird in a snare. So, the preacher is telling us death will inevitably come to all of us. And he's telling us it will come at an uncertain time when we don't expect it. We can't predict it. And our wisdom and our strength and all of, of, the, of the, our gifts can't do anything about it. We don't know our time. So how should we live in light of this? The preacher tells us, go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved of what you do. We could be tempted when we think about the certainty of death, when we think about the unpredictability of it, that we could be anxious and fearful. We might never want to go outside of our house. But instead, the preacher tells us, don't be like that. Get up. Go, is the first thing he says. Go. Eat your bread with joy. Enjoy the gifts that God has given us. Eat bread or, or whatever we enjoy eating. You know, God gave us taste buds. 
He designed our bodies to enjoy the things we eat. He could have made us in such a way where we just got nourishment because we had to. And we didn't get to enjoy it. But he made us with the capacity to enjoy things. We get to eat a nice, juicy peach. We get to eat things like bacon. Okay? <laughs> we get to eat those things and enjoy them. So, in light of the certainty and the unexpected time of death, enjoy the life that God has given us. Enjoy the things that He's given us to eat. And He says, drink your wine with a merry heart. I'm a teetotaler. I don't know what everybody else is here. I'm a teetotaler. I'm not going to drink any wine. But I think that wine is a picture here in the Bible of, 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 of joy. Uh, um, and we may not drink wine, but maybe drink your Mountain Dew <laughs> or drink your Dr. Pepper with joy. Enjoy it. Those things that God has given. For God has already approved what you do. God, God gave the fruits of the trees in the garden. Everything was good except for that one thing that they were not allowed to eat. He gave us these plants to eat for our enjoyment. And then in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, he, he gives permission for Noah and all of his descendants to eat of the clean animals. And we see even in the New Testament, even another barrier is broken down where Peter is told, arise, kill and eat. Things that he wouldn't have touched as a, as a clean Jew. We can eat bacon. <laughs> For God has already approved of what you do. These are good things. He's given them for our enjoyment so do that. And he says, let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking from your head. You know, white was a bright color to wear. Okay? As opposed to black, where you would wear to a funeral when you were in mourning. So in that culture, let your garments always be white. Uh, we might think, dress up in yellow, bright yellow, you know, wear, wear nice, um, bright colors that you enjoy. Um, uh, we've got a lady at, uh, uh, pa at Panama, the church where I pastor there. She, uh, she's one of the red hatters. <laughs> you know the red hatters? Dress like that with joy. The, even the clothes that you wear put off the joy that is in your heart. And, and let, not your, let not oil be lacking on your head. Um, you know, Jesus talks about fasting. And whenever uh, he said, when you fast, don't um, go about looking all miserable, but put some oil on your head. Uh, it's supposed to be a sign of, of health and, and vibrancy. Um, that's the kind of life that we should live. Uh, even, even our garments should be expressing this joy. And then he says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love 
all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Boy, that's a, an up and a down, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, he tells us all through the book of Ecclesiastes how life is just vain. You know, we, we live, we eat, we die. And the one thing we're here to enjoy is, we're, we're, we're here to enjoy life. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Enjoy marital relations. Enjoy, not only that, but also family um, sometimes I think when it comes to family and enjoying uh, that time with our families, uh, I think particularly men often are, are guilty here where we, we, where we work hard outside of the home and we come home and we disengage. We might sit down and want to read the paper or we might uh, have an electronic device that we never look up from. We might sit down and, and just watch movies until it's time to go to bed and then get up the next morning and go off to work again. And so oftentimes our temptation is just to numb ourselves and to disengage. But here the preacher says not to do that. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. And not only that, I think we can extend that out to other family relations. Don't neglect your family, and those relationships that you have. Death is coming. You don't know when it's going to happen. So enjoy your wife and your family while you still have time. And then he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Don't do anything halfway. Do it all the way. <laughs> uh, do a good job at everything that you do. For there is no work or thought or knowledge into Sheol, in Sheol where you're going. He again returns to that thought. Death is coming. We were made to work. You know, God made Adam and placed him in the garden to work it and to till it. Work was not a consequence of the fall. Now our labor was frustrated. Our toil was frustrated so that it became burdensome and we had to work by the sweat of our brow because of the fall. But we were created to work. To work hard. To do it with all of our might. So we, we, we have a certain joy whenever we are productive and doing something with our hands. The preacher here says, there won't be any more work in Sheol where you're going. So enjoy it. Enjoy it while you still have time. Now remember, the preacher here is looking at things from an Old Testament perspective. He didn't know about Christ coming. He didn't know about the resurrection as clearly as we know today. The other side of the cross. He didn't know those things in the way that, that it was revealed progressively through the Bible. But what he says is true nonetheless. With this life that we will one day die, 
And we will one day be placed in a grave and someone will kick dirt over us. And we don't know when it's going to happen. Because of that situation, because of of the fact that this is coming to all of us, we need to live a life that enjoys what God has given to us. And we also need to remember what comes after death. From Hebrews 9.27. After uh, it is appointed for a man to die once and after that face the judgment. From the preacher's perspective, it looks like both the righteous and the wicked, the same event happens to them both. They both die and they both go in the grave. But the New Testament tells us after that comes a judgment. We are going, marching to the grave. But after that, we will all stand before God. We'll all answer for everything that we've ever done, every careless word that we've ever spoken. And the only way for these people who are, our our hearts are filled with evil, the text tells us, the only way for us to escape the wrath is to look to Jesus. To look to Him. He is one who gives us abundant life. A joyful life. He fills us with joy. We do all things to His glory because of the grace that we receive in Jesus. Time is short. Our death is certain. We don't know when it will happen. So enjoy life and look to Jesus while you still can before it's too late.